0: section 12 of neighborhood a year's life in and about an english village by tickner edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter six june part two the dogs are mostly asleep on their chains only the old captain of the wash is astir he roves about here tightening up a girth in his tackle and there straightening a crooked hurdle and every minute or two he goes and looks over the plunge measuring the depth of water with his eye at last he gives the signal every man goes to his post and the silence of the old quarry breaks as with the crash of a sudden storm for it is nearly impossible to convey a real idea of the hubbub and turmoil of the scene under any less decided simile from the moment the first sheep is thrown in until the last terrified bedraggled ewe staggers up the slippery incline at the other end of the creek there is one long unceasing babel of sound Often a score of sheep are in the water at the same time, each one rending the air with her piteous calling. Those that have passed through the ordeal crowd together on the bank above, still lifting to the skies their mingled note of indignation and alarm, and those as yet dry in the great pen anticipate their sufferings with a like deafening tumult the yapping chorus of the dogs punctuates the entire symphony and every man engaged in the work joins in a general running fire of comment and mutual encouragement although hardly any sound less forceful than the bellow of a bull can be heard above the din not the least onerous and responsible part in a great sheep-wash the element of danger to the sheep the risk of drowning always present when a large number have to be put through the creek at a swinging pace the head shepherd and often the flock master himself stands at the plunge and keeps a vigilant eye on the whole proceedings yet even with the greatest care sheep are sometimes drowned it is a lucky day for washers and shepherds alike if the flock gets back to the farm without a single casualty. But there is a humorous as well as a tragic side to sheep washing. The continual splashing of the water soon drenches all the approaches to the creek, making them as slippery as ice. The platform of hurdles running the whole length of the wash is a particularly hazardous place from which to look on at the fun, and many a spectator, venturing too near, has received an impromptu ducking. This is an accident to which the throwers in, as well as all the crookmen, are specially liable, and the day is hardly complete unless someone has succeeded in dipping himself as well as the sheep the time-honoured joke then is to force him down the creek with his woolly companions in misfortune and send him under the bar with all the rest for days past now the rain has been steadily falling hour after hour from dark to dark rain and wind together are always disconcerting and often melancholy in the last degree but still soft summer rain like this not heavy enough to obscure an outlook yet sufficient to serve as an excuse for stopping indoors has all sorts of commendable qualities much of the time both in daylight and darkness i have spent lolling out of a little dormer window high up in the roof of this old house and i have got to know many small things about life and work in Windlecombe that I have never known before. It would seem that the cat and I are almost the only able-bodied creatures, feathered, four-footed or human, that are not out and about in the rain, and I alone, because the indoor mood, happens to possess me if i shed that craze before the weeping weather is done i may be squelching about with the rest all day long in the sodden lanes or slithering joyfully over the green turf of the downs miles away barefoot and bareheaded absent-mindedly whistling the first halves of innumerable tunes as i go but of that in its season the cat and I are of a mind now. The comforts of a dry coat appeal to each of us for the moment irresistibly, and we lean out over the window sill, no farther than will afford me a view of the village doings, and her and I feast on the martins chattering about the roof eaves below i saw farmer coles go by in his gig to-day and heard him call out to his bailiff on the footway if tis fine george in the marnin get all the tackle down to the hoe field and make a start fuss thing the word brought my heart into my mouth the hoe field is the field where the first wild rose opened to the spell of the nightingale's music and it meant that haying time had come round at last to-morrow there might be a new sound in windlecombe the high ringing note of the mowing machines and i knew then there would be no hour of daylight free from it until the last meadow lay shorn and desolate under the summer sun in modern village life the lot of the sentimentalist is no easy one especially if he love his neighbor though he may secretly repine for the old days when the grass came down to the rhythmic song of the scythe and the corn to the tune of the sickle he cannot blink the fact that in farm life prosperity and machinery go hand in hand together the true indeed the only way for him now is to realize that not all the beauty of country things belongs to old times and not all the hard ugly utilitarianism of nowadays has come in with machinery honestly considered there is no mechanical farm implement of today essentially at variance with the spirit of beauty a threshing mill or a reaper and binder owes its form and parts to the same designer that made the sickle the lines of a sailing ship are unvaryingly lines of grace because they are dictated by wind and water and the unchanging needs of earth that made sickle scythe and ploughshare what they are are as unchanging and imperious as ever it was hard to conceive the nightingale song without the loveliness of the mowing grass the green dragonflies cruising over its sea of blossom the shadows of the swallow's wings upon it and the grumbling bees like pearl divers at fault down in its emerald depths but now listening to the songs of the birds in the village gardens round about songs that seemed all the more joyous for the grey light and the unceasing patter of the rain the truth fell cold upon me that the nightingales was no longer among them but a few days passed she was keening as sorrowfully as ever in the one glimpse of soused moonshine last night i had thought to hear her plaint far down by the river but i could not be sure of it and the sound had not returned maybe her song is done at last and i could wish it so now that the grass is to fall with a little neck craning i can contrive a view of the reverend's garden or as much of it as is discernible through the crowding trees on the smooth fair lawn i can see his white doves strutting but they are there alone to-day generally when i look forth there is the gaunt black figure pacing to and fro with these snow-white atoms fluttering about its feet at the end of the lawn an arm goes out and the figure pulls up at the first touch on the rose-covered trellis there is the bank of mignonette at the other end and here he halts and turns warned by the music of the bees but i have never been able to guess what guides him unerringly between the rippled edges of the flower beds nor why when walking under the wall hung from end to end with blue racemes of wisteria he goes no farther each way than the limit of the blossom's reach the gleaming white turrets of syringa of acacia of gelda rose these i know are just visible to him and his doves lighten the darkness a little about his feet but there are whole stretches of the garden given over to deep-hued things rhododendrons and peonies canterbury bells and flaming tiger-lilies amidst these he must pass with eyes as little aware of their passionate colour as i of the tiger-moth scarlet when he burrs in my ear at night yet is glowing colour of a truth a thing that reaches us through one sense alone i have doubted it ever since an angry shout struck up to me just now from a side alley below the green where some of the poorest and prettiest of the cottages are jumbled together it is strange how far sounds carry on these still rainy mornings the shout was followed by the shrill tones of a woman and the thud of something being hurled into the street Presently, through the alley-mouth, appeared a man with a basket on his back. He came up the street through the rain, bent and lurching, his black beard wagging with imprecations he was at no pains to subdue. It was Darky, the tramp, fern seller, ne'er-do-well, a familiar figure in Windlecombe, as usual, he was pretty far gone in liquor he took the middle of the way addressing himself to all passers-by indiscriminately women he cried in his fine deep voice with the violoncello quality in it women ye may live till crack of doom sir and then never larn how to take em i'll head too says she only last saturday ma'am and bring another brace darty she says when you happens along again all as nice as nice could be sir and now soon as her saw eyes o' me a hups with her foot and he turned the corner of the house and i heard no more i wonder now how dark he fares this weather in his downland erie it has always been a mystery in windlecombe as to where he passes his nights at all times winter or summer he is to be met with tramping up the lane towards the downs using the last light of day Apparently, in putting himself as far as may be from the chance of a night's lodging, and in the early mornings you meet him trudging down again from the heights, his basket full of old hedge-side garnerings for sale in the town. The mystery is a mystery to me no longer, although it was quite by chance I lit upon him in his secret nook coming over the downs one winter's morning i saw a thin blue spiral of smoke rising from the very centre of a great patch of gorse on a hillside and threading my way through the wilderness bent on elucidating this phenomenon i came at length upon a queer little scene at the mouth of a sort of cave cut deep into the solid green heart of the gorse thicket burned a little fire of sticks and over it hung a pot that gave forth a savoury steam behind the fire lay darky on a snug couch of hay and old sacking fast asleep with a pipe in his mouth Evidently he had dozed off in the midst of his preparations for a meal i took one swift look round his castle noting various old tins old coats and the like hanging over his head several sugar boxes filled with odd lumber behind him and a shepherd's folding bar a deadly weapon twenty pounds or so of solid iron lying conveniently to his hand and then i crept away as silently as i had come not that i feared any violence from him in all the years we had been acquainted i had never known him harm a mouse but many was the time i had turned him away from my own door unceremoniously enough sometimes with hard words once or twice indeed with threatenings of his natural enemy the constable and i feared now reprisals of a kind that would hurt almost as much as the folding-bar heftily wielded i feared to see darkey stagger to his feet and pull off to me one of my own long discarded caps hear him give me generous and courtly words of welcome and a kind look out of his mastiff's eyes making me as free of his snug green-roofed dwelling as i had so often made him free of the street towards the hour of sunset i went up to the little attic window again and looked out over the drenched house-tops for any sign of a break in the weather the rain had ceased and the western sky had lightened somewhat taking on an indefinable warmth of hue there was no sunshine nor any hope of sunshine but there was a light abroad that picked out all the browns and reds and yellows in the landscape wondrously intensifying them while leaving all other hues as grey and cold as ever Past eleven o'clock, and a cloudless night of stars, with the woodlarks singing high over the village and the cuckoos calling in the hills as though it were broad day. Yes, the change has come. Farmer Coles is never far out in his prognostications. It will be cutting weather tomorrow, and tomorrow I must be up with the earliest of them and away to the hoe-field of summer evenings in windlecombe all through haying and harvest time you see men lounging about the village one and all obsessed by the same trance-like serenely dilatory mood all have pipes well alight leaving a trail of smoke behind them on the dusky golden air All have hands thrust deep in trouser pockets, carry their unshaven chins high, are tired as dogs, and look as somnolently happy as noontide owls. And of all the days of the week, there are more of these placid optimists abroad, and these characteristics are most to be noted in them on the evening of the last working day. Tonight I went up and down the green, the most uncertain of a deliberately irresolute company, half a dozen times, perhaps, before, by common but unvoiced consent, we turned our lagging footsteps towards the inn. All the while I was rejoicing in a possession, priceless indeed, yet hard won as might be, a heart and mind filled with the spirit of the cotter's saturday night you cannot get this chief of all country pleasures in exchange for money it is to be had in only one way at the cost of long laborious days in the fields and every tired muscle every aching joint in my body stood then as witness that i had done my best to earn what i had of it if it might be earned at all the old oak window-seat in the parlour of the three thatchers was as softly welcome as the chancellor's woolsack i would not have exchanged that mug of home-brewed ale for a draught of ambrosia at the feet of the gods the crimson sunset light streamed hot upon me as i sat on the window ledge half among the parlour company and half among those congregated on the benches under the virginia creeper outside every moment or two some other tired haymaker strolled up and added his solid breadth and his tobacco smoke to the throng but we were not all field workers in the three thatchers tonight nor had only the common causes of tired limbs and sun-parched throats brought us together young daniel dray was knitting his dark brows over some papers and account books at the trestle table and young tom clemmer sat close by thoughtfully swinging a cricket bat pendulum fashion between his outstretched legs a silence fell upon the company well said tom clemmer at last i dunno tis near some matter awkward for windlecombe We young mast coles hayen and tim searle hayen and george larker and tom and george wright and bill here all hayen how if fortune be us to make up a team. You could pick out the members of the cricket club committee amidst the crowd by reason of their grave, troubled faces, whereas all other faces wore the easy, contented smile of the village Saturday night. We had weighty business to consider. The annual challenge had arrived from the Stavisham club they were a cocksure overweening lot the town eleven and we had set our hearts on beating them at next saturday's match but there was the hay to carry if the weather held many of our best players would be in the fields it looked as though the town were to add windlecombe again to their long list of village victories secretary dray gnawed savagely at the butt of his pen i knows how twill be he said five men and a tale o boys the old story tom here'll knock up his couple of score and then twill be help 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 for the rest o us in two hovers and i can just hear they chalk-headed town chaps laughin it was a dismal picture. The fragrance went out of our tobacco, and no man thought of his ale. The three canaries carolled so joyously in their cages overhead that I could have wrung their necks with all the pleasure in life. Young Daniel stared straight into the eye of the setting sun with the very face of disaster. But tis the ballin' he went on ne'er a change of ball as they'll be and me and george havers can't go on for ever nah nah, 'tis tis all o'er again i tell ye the boys'll have their fun and windlecombe another smashing he swept the club papers into his pocket and rose to fill a pipe but mind ye He added, looking grimly round on the company, "I'll have that there flittermouse grocer chap's wicket this time, or I'll be, ah, you see if I don't. If I had a throw at his head." Long after night had fallen and all the village was quiet under the dim half moon, I came out again upon the green to wander and ruminate over the week that had gone by i bared my arm to the biceps and even in that disguising light i could see the sunburn dark upon it yawning and stretching involuntarily a delicious ache spread over me from top to toe the seven sisters loomed hard by and i went and lay down at full length on one of the seats Looking up through the black wilderness of boughs at the flinching starshine, and watching the nightjars as they wheeled and whirred above me through the scented dark. They are a merry company, the nightjars. Perhaps there is no other sound in nature that comes nearer to pure mirth and jollity than this rhythmic spinning wheel chorus of theirs. Up there, where the dense pine foliage made a sort of black coast to the dark blue ocean of the summer night a whole nation of them was astir they did not utter their peculiar note when on the wing but every moment or two one of the concourse came to rest on a branch with a sudden snap and forthwith set his spinning jenny blithely going there is another sound which you hear of summer evenings often far into the night and which is nearly akin to that of the nightjar i heard it only a minute ago in one of the garden hedges as i came across the green but when the two songs occur together there is no confusing them they are both continuous mechanical sounds and each is curiously varied in tone speed and intensity but while the night music is a rich full tremolo uttered from some high point generally the branch of a tree the grasshopper warbler sings always close to earth his note is thinner shriller faster if your fingers were as deft as his slender throat you could imitate the sound exactly by the rapid chinking together of two threepenny bits End of section twelve.